I always like to give it an extra moment until we go live on the different social media platforms. All right, so we'll give us one more second as people log in. We have Robert Nelson logged in twice. There we go, I've got a couple more people trickling in now. All right. So as everyone's joining us, I'm going to do a quick, uh, first of all, welcome and thank you for joining us. Uh, it's another session of the MSP Initiative. I'm very pleased to be joined here by Cronus Channel Chief Amy Luby, uh, good friend and a bit of a channel legend uh, to come, come in here and talk about the MSP business. So I'm very excited about our guest this week. Um, I do see we have quite a few people joining us. A couple things I always like to mention at the beginning of these. If you have any questions at all, the Q&A box is open. Um, we will try and monitor the chat as well, but the Q&A box notifies us a little bit better. Um, if you're on Facebook, we can't see your questions. My team will try and monitor that as much as possible, but um, always best if you can, jump into the Zoom, ask away. Um, that's what we're here for. And uh, if you have any time of technical issues, you can contact myself or Shade Mendez, who's also on the call from the B-Boy team, and she will go ahead and help uh, anything that she can. So without any further ado, I'm going to give it over to Amy to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, Alec, thanks. Um, I'm really happy to be here. This will be fun. I think this is the second one we've done, um, but my first one with you. So this will be awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm with Acronis. Um, I have been there for about a year. Um, I head up community. Um, so, you know, I get to do a lot of the fun stuff, like talk with you and engage our partners and build programs around uh, helping our partners grow and and uh, do bigger and better things with us. So, so that's me in a nutshell. Um, my history, my history, I guess. Um, I've been in the channel for about 26 years now, and I kind of hate saying that number out loud because it makes me feel old, but it's all right. We'll just work through it. But uh, so uh, for about 15 of those years, I was an MSP. Um, I built one here in the Midwest. I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. That's where I live and work. And uh, so I built my MSP out. Um, we pivoted in about 2000 four into one of the first master MSPs. So MSPs then became um, our clients uh, and we helped them. Back then we called, uh, called it hosted services because cloud wasn't a thing. And uh, so we delivered hosted services from our knock and help desk uh, to help those partners grow and pivot into managed services providers. Um, and then since, well, about the last eight years or so, I sold that company. Um, in 2010. And then uh, for the last eight or so years, I've been working with or consulting for companies like Acronis to help them build their channel programs. So yeah, that's absolutely. me. And that's one of the things I've always loved, um, you know, talking to you is the, the wealth of experience. I mean, the fact that you've been on the inside working in an MSP and then switching over to that master MSP, I think gives you a very unique perspective of the MSP business and some of the, the needs and the pitfalls and things like that. And I wanna, wanna cover all that today, um, but then making the crossover into a full product driven vendor uh, to the MSP space uh, is just really cool. Great background and always love the way that you've uh, understood the MSP business and been able to help them. Uh, you know, similar to Ken Patterson, you know, one of the, the shout outs I gave to Ken Patterson, and I'll give him another one right now is, 
Um, the two of you always fall into the category for me of it doesn't matter if it's an Acronis partner or someone starting an MSP business or someone who's been in the business for a long time just feels like they kind of plateaued. You've always had that attitude of just you're there and you're willing to help and you know you want to see everyone succeed, which I've always loved and uh, definitely excited to have you on the show. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, Ken's a good friend. And of course, I got a shout out to Pax8, right? They're a good uh, distribution partner of ours. So um, that's a big plus. But um, yeah, I, you know, growing a business, being an entrepreneur is, is one of my favorite things in the world. It's also one of the hardest things in the world. Um, so I get that. I've, I've had those sleepless nights where I'm sweating payroll and wondering how things are going to really work out and knowing that I've got, you know, employees with families who are depending on me to be smart enough or at least not make too many mistakes and keep the business going. And, you know, so I get it. Um, it's, it's not an easy place to be. And given the last couple of years, um, and especially 2020, I guess, um, it, it's been a really interesting ride. We've all in some way, shape or form have had to reinvent ourselves. Um, and, you know, that can be scary. And it also could be really exciting, depending on kind of how you look at it, right? Yeah, I think I saw some owners that were getting a little more to that stage of, all right, I'm going to back out a little bit and things are turning and they're, they're good and I'm happy. And they're now in it again. And I think it almost kind of sparked that a little bit for some people. Um, I know some people had a really hard year and you know my heart goes out to them and I'm happy to see many of them that I've spoken with personally have pivoted and have had some really cool outcomes that came out of it. And I think it pushed people out of the comfort zone, but I think in a lot of scenarios ended up helping them find something new and something exciting. Um, whether it was a new line of business they were going to offer or seeing people repackage to really target the at-home market now with so much you know, remote work and um, just some, some really interesting stuff that I've watched come out of it. And I think it definitely changed the way we're going to offer services. And I think it'll change the way we offer services going forward, whether you know the world flicks back to normal next year or not. Oh, 100%. I think two of the most... Well, two of the things that, that bubble up to the top of interest for me with the model is, is one, it was almost universal. MSPs did not do home offices. Like they didn't go into the home. They didn't work with consumers. They were very um, specific. And we were too. Like we, you know, we did small businesses and that's, that's where we had figured out how to make our margin and, and be efficient. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we would go to the CEO's home sometime, right? Like to set up their Wi-Fi or whatever, but that was always a side thing. Um, yeah. So that's super fascinating to me. And uh, I mean, 2020 dictated, you, you have to go into the home. Like mm -hmm. it's, and I don't know that that's going to change a whole lot going forward, frankly. I, I, uh, um, you know, home office, home studio, video, audio, podcasting, um, all the video production that's happening right now is astonishing. Um, and, and forcing that transition in less than a year and watching the channel just pivot almost seamlessly with it has been fascinating, um, really fascinating. Um, and then the other aspect of that is we never really went into the corporate environment, we meaning MSPs to support mm -hmm. them um, in the 
mid-market or even the enterprise. And what happened with COVID and everybody having to leave the office building and go home, those IT directors weren't necessarily skilled or adept or informed of all of the remote management tools, um, which MSPs are experts in and have been for almost 20 years. So um, that's a whole nother level. And I, I used to say all the time, and it's still true, swimming upstream is probably one of the hardest things you can do with your business, going from one type of customer to another that looks different and is bigger and has different needs. That's really hard to do. 2020 made it, I don't want to say it made it easy, but 2020 opened up an opportunity for us to have that conversation. And, and that's the other really fascinating thing for me, because those were two kind of taboo subjects for a very long time. No homes, no, no consumer business. And, you know, we don't even know how to talk to the mid-market IT director. And now those things are happening regularly. And I think that's awesome. Um, it's given us all kinds of opportunity. No, I've, I've loved watching. I've definitely seen a huge rise in co-managed um, and the at-home stuff. I saw a small subset of the MSP market um, would have maybe a secondary business front um, out of it or just a secondary ad front that went out. And that was really targeted around the smart homes and things like that. But in terms of a broader network, we were all terrified of it because you just don't know. Kids are on the network. There's a million devices. Um, generally, home internet's not great. Um you know, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of risk in there. Right. Right. Well, and we still have the same problem today. Right. And, mm -hmm. and essentially it kind of boils, boils down to endpoint management. Um, and that's where we were going anyway. Uh, you know, the local area network was, was going away already. Cloud was taking over. Um, it did take over. Um, you know, so what, what do you have left? You have endpoints left um, yeah. and you have way more attack surface a way more opportunity for breach. Um, and, and so the other thing that this has forced us to do um, is to start to get really good at security. Um, not that we weren't good at security before, um, but it was kind of an add-on. It, it was a specialty area um, and, and it's not anymore. It can't be anymore. Um, so, you know, that's, a, that's not really a, a, uh, an end user change per se, you know, or an audience change for the, for the MSP, but um, more of a, a, a strategic and tactical change that we've had to make. Um, we've got to address security before we address anything else. Absolutely. So we actually did get a question, which is, uh, which is nice. It's very early on for questions. So I always like that. I love the audience engaging. Um, so, you know, I think this is more around your, around your past and, and kind of what you've done. I mean, we've seen a couple of people over time do that crossover between MSP to vendor and consultant and things like that. Um, Brent was curious, uh, how did you get the consulting gig? Did you, did they approach you or did you approach them? What was the story and, and how did you kind of get started on that side of the fence? Um, so, uh, toward the, well, I had an opportunity, I had two things going on. Um, well, three things going on. One, the environment in 2008, 9, 10, um, 
master MSP was a new thing ish. Um, but there were also some very large players making some very big investments. And I don't know if folks remember those names, but we, we had Zenith Infotech, um, who was a standalone master MSP. Um, we had Ingram Micro. Um, they had what they called Seismic at the time. That's what they called the service. It's, it's not called that anymore. It's their cloud and all that now. But um, it, the other distributors were also making a really big play. And there were a handful of smaller master MSPs like myself. Um, so we had this kind of environment where I saw we either needed to have some very quick growth, like massive growth, um, which was going to require some investment, um, or uh, selling was an opportunity. Um, but the other thing that was going on behind the scenes was, um, and, and this was my first consulting gig, if you will, was one of the three distributors whom I eventually went to go work for um, had come in with a bid to purchase the organization. Um, but it, it wasn't ideal because what they wanted was someone who could build the business, right? Like that was their goal. They needed um, DNA inside the organization to build out a master MSP. Um, so long story short, I ended up selling the company um, to a third party um, and then I continued, oh, and the piece with, with that um, distributor was I was already on their line card. So if you were working with that distributor and you were delivering knock and help desk, you know, as a skew from that distributor, it was actually us behind the scenes. So I had that, that connection there. So I went ahead and sold the company, went and consulted with the distributor, eventually went to work for them, built out that program. And, and so that's how I got started. Um, and then you know, I found um, kind of my favorite place to be is in a startup environment. Um, for some weird reason, I love the chaos there. Um, but it gives you an opportunity to build something. And I think that's where, where I'm most um, valuable with my skill set um, is building something from the ground up. So um, I've worked with a number of startup organizations, um, all of them cloud um, all of them secured. I'm trying to think, is there not a security one? All of them have been security. So, um, that's, that's kind of how I made my progression. Very cool. Yeah, no, it's, um, I'm definitely with you on the, the startup. I've done the big organizations, I've done the small organizations, and there is something about the chaos and starting fresh. And I mean, that's kind of fun with what you get to do now. I mean, Acronis has been around forever. I mean, they're, they're a large organization, but I mean, in terms of the channel side, it's really, really cool to watch, um, you know, someone experience go in there and take that and really drive that MSP DNA into the building and, you know, build something out. Very, very cool. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what's going on. I mean, Acronis, I used Acronis when, when I was an MSP. I mean, you know, we've, we've been um, integrated into the ecosystem for a very long time. Um, but, and, and it's not, a huge organization either. I mean, we have about 1500 employees. So um, the, the feeling on the inside is it's a little bit bigger company. It's like a teenager company, right? Like, yeah. um, but there's still a ton of opportunity to um, bring teams together, drive cross-functional collaboration, 
um, and build something new uh, out of something that's already very well established. So it's kind of a unique situation um, and I'm really enjoying it, frankly. That's good. Yeah, I'm excited to, um, and I want to get to our, like, our main conversation, but we're actually really excited. Acronis is going to be joining us on the channel Strong Tours. So if you have any of these questions for Amy or any more questions, you're about somewhere where we're going to be stopping, feel free to stop in and ask her or hear about some of the fun stuff she's been working on at Acronis. So we will definitely be, um, I, I think it's uh, you taking off on the bus with us. Is that correct? Probably. Uh, I'll, at least on one of the weeks I will be. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I had that first week I have other events too, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to balance it all. So <laughs> I may just come in the second week, but either way, um, you know, I was on the tour in August and that was a three full weeks, um, crazy <laughs> which was insane. Um, but a lot of fun. Uh, we met so many cool partners, um, you know, and, and to hear how folks, which you touched on earlier, how folks have pivoted um, or evolved or have tried something new and different in their business. Um, we saw a lot of that this summer and uh, it was really cool. So I can't wait to kind of get back out and, you know, hear what's evolved since then. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to have a pulse on that. And that's kind of what led us to the conversation here. I mean, obviously, you know, we're lucky to have a partner, you know, a strategic partner like yourself, where we can work with you on, you know, co-marketing and pull you in for different things like security or MSP business. And the big topic we keep getting pushed on is, um, you know, sales and marketing, but it all kind of bleeds back to this, you know, MSP business, whether it's starting it, growing it, um, you know, why don't we touch on what are some of the biggest pitfalls you see? Um, and I know that's probably changed a little bit. So maybe we could touch on some like non-COVID and some like being post-COVID. Um, like what are some of the biggest mistakes you're seeing in uh, the MSP businesses today? Oh, mistakes. Um, mistakes. Yeah, I, I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if I'm seeing like tons of mistakes per se. Um, I, I think that when you're, well, look, entrepreneurs are, are bent toward doing things differently, right? Like that's just part of the entrepreneurial DNA. Um, we've been forced to do different this whole last year, right? Um, and figure out new and creative things to do. I think probably those that have struggled the most are the ones who've had a hard time just embracing that change, embracing the potential opportunity of doing something differently. Um, that is, that can be really hard and it can be scary. Um, the other thing I think, um, or at least I hear most often, and you can distill it down to this, um, small business owners, and I've seen this outside the MSP space too. Um, I've spent a lot of the, in fact, the last couple of years, I've spent a lot of time consulting with other companies, not just IT organizations, um, but going in and helping them in turnaround scenarios is what we called it. Mm -hmm. um, so those that were struggling, they were cash strapped, um, whatever their issues were to help them figure out how to fix that and move forward. Um, and, and MSPs in general um, tend to be small businesses um, they're cash strapped. They don't have deep pockets. When something big like a pandemic happens, they may or may not be ready to kind of ride it out for a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hence all the PPP, PPP and, you know, all the help that the government's given us. Um, that's probably another, and it's not really a mistake. It's, it's typical um, in a small business uh, to be a little cash strapped and maybe not have resources available. So um, those are some areas that, that those who have survived um, can look at harder to give them more of a buffer, right? Going forward, should things continue to go their way they're going or you know, whatever's gonna happen here, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, th- I think that's a great point. It's on that um, I've definitely seen through my time as well. Um, you know, I did a lot of work with overtime different peer groups, and that, that's one of the biggest ones they drive in right in the beginning is, you know, what is your EBITDA? You know, what does your cash flow look like? How much is, you know, actually in the bank? Going through that and that exercise, um, you'll have MSPs that come in feeling like, we're great. These guys are going to be blown away. Um, I have a particular partner that great team um they're growing like a weed but for them they were growing 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 joined this group went in and thought we're going to be they're going to love what we're doing and they got absolutely smashed in that first meeting they walked out it looked like they just went you know a couple rounds of tyson and i remember just seeing him at the end of the night sitting there just drinking his whiskey and i walked up and said are you all right he said i I was very wrong, <laughs> and, um, but it was such a good exercise because their finances went from where they were walking to that first meeting to about 12 months later, it was night and day difference. They had so much money. They were hiring people, you know, person to person. So, I mean, the information's out there and there's some amazing resources, some great books, some great courses, some peer groups. Um, you know, it's never too late to start. <laughs> not, not, not the recording twist on it, but it definitely, uh, it can make an impact and it's not a 10 years down the line impact. It could be 12 months down the line. Oh, it, it can be the next 30, 60, 90 days. I mean, when you get into a turnaround scenario and you start managing cash on a daily basis and sometimes hourly basis, you know, you're making decisions. Um, the, the amount of cash you can find in an organization um, when you really start digging into it um, is incredible. So, yeah. You know, it, it's just that discipline, if you will, um, and and understanding, you know, what is a balance sheet? What is it? What should be there? And what are the red flags that you should be looking for? What's your cash flow statement look like? I mean, are you actually managing your cash flow on a daily basis? Are you looking at it? Um, and are you making decisions every day so that tomorrow's cash position is better? Um, those are the kinds of things. And, you know, as you know, we always talk about this as engineers, um, maybe that's not what we find all that exciting is digging into the cash flow statement. You know, we'd rather be looking at the new technology and all that. Um, so one of the things um, that I'm doing uh, with our partners, and if anybody, you know, any of your partners are interested in, um, I have a podcast blog thing that we're doing. And I've got 12 MSPs lining up for this year. And we're going to do something really kind of fun, I think. Profile their business, talk about these types of issues, you know, cash flow. I have a sales problem. I have a marketing problem. You know, I have an operational problem inside my service desk. Um, And we're going to profile those things and then bring in an expert consultant who can work with that MSP. And then we're going to come back 
and profile them again and say, okay, you've been working with so-and-so, you had a cash flow issue. What were the results? Um, so we're going to get them some real help. So well, anybody interested in that, you know, reach out because um, I'm lining those up now, those interviews. Yeah, that's, that's an incredible opportunity, actually. Um, I know Shade is on here. Shade, if you want to put, uh, do you just want your email in the chat? And if anybody sure. wants to reach Perfect. Yeah. All right. Shade, do you want to go and drop uh, Amy's email in the chat? And then uh, if anybody's interested, that's an amazing opportunity and something that normally would cost a lot of money. <laughs> so exactly. Call, exactly. You know, kind of, kind of think your uh, bar rescue or the profit meets the MSP channel, right? We're, we're going to go in and, and we're going to talk about, I mean, cause this stuff's real. Every, every small business is the same um, in the sense that everybody's got sales operations and finance. Those are the three legs of that stool that you've got to address, right? Yeah. Um, and and we all have very similar problems with it. You know, I, I might have, you know, a, a, an employee who seems disgruntled and isn't going with the flow and isn't working well. But when I dig into that constraint, you know, that person might have some really valid feedback for me as a business owner. Like maybe operationally, we're doing things so backwards um, that they've got good ideas on how we can remove that constraint or, you know, all these different things. We, we have very similar problems um, and they can be solved. So that's super fun for me is helping partners solve those issues. Oh, I love that. And that's an awesome service to get back, especially at this time. I think, um, you know, you pointed out a couple of good things there. It doesn't matter how close you feel like you are to the edge. There's always time to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, unless... Unless you've literally put a sign in the window and, and you're boxing things up, I think I think there's still time to come back. And um, like you said, I mean, even if you're hourly watching that money, it's not the most fun thing for you, and you want to be in the tech side of it. But um, you know, there's still a chance. And then on the other side, if you just feel like it was a little bit rough, but you know, we survived, then there's still a lot of good ways to make yourself next time it'll feel like a bump in the road, and you can keep going. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there's a, there's a, um, there's an art and a science, um, but there's also a lot of um, just uh, innate understanding. You know, when you have a constraint, you've got to remove it, whatever that constraint is, right? And it could be in your service desk, it could be in your finances, it could be in your sales and marketing process. Um, And identifying those, you know, sometimes as an owner, you know, we get so mired in the weeds every day um, that we we maybe don't see some things. I, I had to learn um, some of this. Well, we all learn it the hard way as an entrepreneur. Um, I remember one year, you know, I was so mired in working in the business and driving things forward that I didn't notice how unhappy some of my employees were. Um and, and I lost several key employees in one year. And as a small business owner, losing one key employee is hard, but I lost three or four of them at once. Um, and it was basically like, you know, F you, Amy, we are done. Like, we don't like your style. You're driving us too hard. We're working too hard. You know, and I had to step back and look at myself. And a lot of times as an entrepreneur, that's what we kind of end up finding ourselves <laughs> is looking at what we're doing on a daily basis. So. Absolutely. That was actually um, 
you know, I, I had a mentor and uh, they really talked to me quite a bit about that and just kind of understand your employees and be able to feed that, you know, feed off the feelings and understand the room. Um, one of the things we developed actually while I was at CompTIA and the Future Leaders of IT, we developed an IDP, an individual development plan. And that is mm. something I've loved. And, uh, you know, when I go into a new business or I have a new employee, I think it's a great tool to roll out. Um, I can grab a link for that. And I'll, I'll make sure everybody gets it. But essentially it's, where are you today? And then what is your dream position? It's, it's very much that, that interview question of where do you see yourself in five years? Um, but the idea being that if Amy was a rep of mine, but Amy has this aspiration, Amy wants to be the VP of sales. I know that. And I'm looking at rewarding those, you know, that good behavior, that good performance to keep you moving and up the ladder where you want to be. Because I know if I don't, you're not going to be a rep for me for five years. Even if you're killing it, you're blowing out your numbers. Right. Eventually you're going to go because you're going to get that opportunity elsewhere. Um, so it's understanding those people and their dreams and where they want to be. But yeah, I mean that, and then reviews, right? I don't think reviews should be a once a year thing. I think reviews have to be a lot more common than that. Oh um, yeah. Especially in those first few employee hires, <laughs> you know, starting and managing with one employee, two, three, four. I mean, that's crucial time, very crucial time in the business. I remember, um, when we were, when we had a very young company and, and when I say we, there were three principals um, in the organization it was myself and, and two business partners. And we were trying to learn how to hire. Right. And, and that's a process in and of itself, trying to figure out, you know, how to pick out good people. Um, I remember we worked with, with an HR company and uh, or, or uh, a headhunter company Anyway, they brought somebody into us and, you know, the three of us are sitting there interviewing this guy and we had our standard questions, right? You know, and one of them was, you know, where do you see yourself in the next five years or so? And this guy says, well, I, I want to be like Batman. And we, <laughs> so we're trying to be very professional, but the three of us are like, all three of us looked down at our little pad of paper, right? Like, cause we were trying not to laugh. So finally one of us says, well, and, and by the way, the headhunter consultant who's sitting off, you know, not really in the conversation, but listening was just like, <laughs> his chagrin was just, he couldn't hide it, right? <laughs> so finally one of us goes, so you want to be a philanthropist or you want to run around at night in tights? And the dude was, he didn't know what to say. We finally all broke up. We told that headhunter we were looking for more of a Spider-Man. So we didn't hire that guy. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I, um, weirdest question I ever had in an interview was um, if you were a tree, what type of tree would you be? That was the weirdest <laughs> interview question I've ever heard. <laughs> How did you answer it? I was like, I don't really know many trees. Uh, <laughs> tree, like Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Happy. Yes. With lights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I've definitely heard some crazy ones out there. I mean, listen, hiring's not easy, right? It's, it, it's weird on both sides, right? We are trying to get to know you and not be aggressive right we, we want to push through and get the real you but at the same point i mean it's you're in this awkward position where you're trying to sell yourself and i think both sides just don't trust each other because we don't think you're being your real self and 
you just think that we don't want to hire you or, you know, that we may be having ulterior motives. So it's, it's this weird kind of clash in the middle um, of, of feelings. And I've always hated that. And, you know, I, I know it's not easy and it's, it's hard for even more so for small businesses. I mean, especially where, where you are, we're in um, our, our MSP is actually in Philadelphia. So for us, mm-hmm. we're in that huge quadrant of the Northeast and we lose people to every other territory out there, but we started hiring completely remote years ago. So the remote thing wasn't a weird kind of change for us, but it's not easy. And uh, nowadays, if you weren't hiring like that, you are now hiring via Zoom and, you know, Teams and everything else. And it's it's even more weird, so. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I, I don't think it's as weird for the IT sector, just in general, you know, cause we're just used to gadgets and technology and leveraging it to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, definitely other industries. Um, hiring is hard. And, and I, uh, I think I finally came to a, a comfortable place with it, but only after going through formal processes, you know, and there's all sorts of recommendations out there. There's books you can buy. There's you know, well-known consultants um, who have hiring programs and they'll put you through the training and, you know, and, and different ways, you know, you, you should have three different people, you know, from different facets of your organization, you know, all these things. Um, And I think I finally came back to what entrepreneurs are pretty good at, which is going with our gut. Um, But that gut feeling is after a lot of failures and understanding human behavior and being able to read people um, and be able to read yourself and know what you need um, and know where your weaknesses are and know how to hire um, to, to bring about the growth or the strength or whatever problem you're trying to solve with that hire. Um, uh, I think entrepreneurs get back to that gut feeling. I know I did. Um, and still use it to this day, because um, there are some folks that look good on paper, um, pass all the, the tests and check all the boxes. Um, and I've learned to, if I've got a little check in here about it, just to listen to it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I know one of the things that we do um, internally in our business at, at B-Boy, we always ask the question, you know, when we bring up, hey, we need extra headcount in an area it's always, are we throwing people at a problem or are we throwing people at an inefficient process? Mm. Uh, you know, and that, that's one thing that we've always driven home and it's been really a, a, a key point of, of our growth and how we operate. Um, you know, we regularly assess the process and make sure that it's efficient and it's effective for the partner, it's effective for, the, for their company and in our time. And then um, if we feel like it is and, you know, the, you know, the efficiency rates way up, that person's time is capped and yeah, it makes sense to hire a new person. But I think that's a really hard, you know, thing to start off with and, and a hard discipline to have. Um, but I will say it's, it's been tremendous for us and it's helped us to, you know, grow to where we are today and, and manage the amount of partners we do today, um, you know, against the team we have. Sure. No, it makes perfect sense. I mean, you, you got to start somewhere, right? And, and some kind of structure Mm-hmm. will help whatever that structure is. And, you know, I look at back when I started, um, now I'm trying to remember the name of this book. It's Seth Gerber's book. Um, it was super popular 
back then and it talked about standardization and operations and how McDonald's did it and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I've watched over the years, the different, um, books and philosophies and processes that have become popular and kind of come and gone. Um, and if you have the, you know, 26 year advantage of being able to have read a lot of those books and worked through a lot of these programs, um, they all have really, really simple and common um, pillars of success, right? Yeah. I mean, um, so it's, it's interesting to watch, but, um, you know, whatever the process is, whatever the um, consultants that are popular at the moment are, if you go back and look at the history of where they're pulling their information from, it's, you'll find a lot of commonality there. Absolutely. No, I, I think you're spot on. Um, a lot of these you'll see will, will have very similar roots to them and how they build and, um, you know, tractions, the new one that, that, that's, that's huge and massive and taking over the world. It seems like, um, and I've worked in traction jobs and I like it. I think it's, it's nice. I, I like the, uh, the format of, I always felt like I got things done in meetings. Um, it still had a little bit of a social aspect to it, but it felt like we really accomplished when we moved through our meetings, which was always great. Um, but it also made you a little more disciplined about when you were actually in a call meeting and, and, and you know, is, is this an email or is this a meeting, which I know is the age old office joke and uh, something that, that I think is good to have discipline on, but yeah, no, you're right. There's, there's a lot of great material out there. I mean, I've, I've read a bunch of those traction books. Um, I like those a lot. And um, you know, there's actually some really good traction organizers in the MSP community now. Yeah. I mean, West um, was doing it. He sold a couple of MSPs just a few years ago and, He's out there working on that. Yeah, no, I agree. There's there's all kinds of it. Yeah, and the EOS traction mm -hmm. is super popular right now. Um, look, it's like marketing. It's like sales process. It's like anything. If you don't have something and you put something in place and you actually practice it, you're going to get better results than you did yesterday. It, you know, that that's the bottom line. So, you know, whether it's EOS or whether it's any of the others that are out there, um, the point is if you're having trouble and you're struggling with something, um, whether that's the entire organization and you need something like the EOS, Entrepreneur's Operations, Operational System, you need that, then, you know, go follow that. Um, you know, I think you mentioned peer groups earlier, uh, those can be extremely helpful. Um, I know in the very beginning of my business, it wasn't an MSP peer group, um, but our chamber had something very, very similar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we met and, you know, I was the only IT company, but we had a banker, a marketing person, um, you know, and then we had different types of businesses in there. And boy, I learned more in that year, that first year I was in it, um, yeah. probably than I've learned ever, um, just from hearing their struggles and what they were going through. But, you know, that's priceless, um, invaluable information. Uh, when you can hear one of your peers, one of your cohorts describe something that you're having trouble with and then helping you understand how they solved that problem, there's, there's no better way to do it. I think there's also a little bit of ease to walking into a situation like that and understanding it's not just you. 
everyone has the chaos. It doesn't matter how big or small you are. It doesn't matter if your competitors eight times your size, they're having issues in their business too. Everyone has bad days, good days. Everyone has tough times, bad employees. Um, you know, those things happen, but being able to learn from it and observe, absorb the knowledge is like you said, it's invaluable. hundred uh, percent, you know, and it's, it, it's hard, but simple at the same time. And, um, you know, it kind of boils down to constraint. I, I mentioned that earlier, there's constraints in everybody's business, whatever they are. It could be a person. Um, it could be a process. It, it could be hardware. It, it could be pretty much anything. Um, and an entrepreneur's kind of primary job um, is to identify those constraints and remove them however they need to do so, whether that's a reorganization of a particular business unit, whether that's leveraging some technology to streamline operations, um, mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know, that, that it can be, you can look at it pretty simply you know, remove the constraints. If you have multiple constraints, figure out the worst one at the moment, remove that one, move on to the next one. That's, there's not, it's not too terribly hard. <laughs> no, I, I heard a cool one the other day. Um, we actually just wrapped up an integration with Kruhu and um, they do uh, employee gamification. And I liked their approach on why they wanted to integrate with BVoIP was, um, around gamifying the phone statistics. And I loved that because it was, it was less about, hey, I'm going to punish bad behavior internally or I have a problem internally. It was, hey, we're hearing this a lot. And it's very true. We hear it on the B website too, right? I mean, we've had people who called us and said, your stats are off. We look into it and suddenly realize the text taking 20% of their calls via their cell phone. <laughs> and, um, you know, be able to gamify that and actually reward the good behavior and, you know, instead of, I, I've always lived by that. If it's not in the system, it didn't happen, but this was a cool way to gamify and give just a little bit of fun activity to it. So, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways you can approach any problem. There's a lot of different ways you can approach any behavior, but the cool thing there was they saw the, they saw the issue. They traced it back to where it was happening, where it was occurring. And then they thought of what are the different options here on how we're going to take care of it. And I think sometimes breaking it down piece by piece like that is really what's needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, when, when you have what you think is an employee problem, yeah, there are employees that you have to get rid of. Like we all have had to do that. Um, but at least in my experience in my own businesses and then working with all the businesses I've worked with, there's more to it than that. And a lot of time that, that particular employee that you think is really a pain in your side um, probably has a lot of good feedback for you to hear. Um, and that's hard um, to be open to that kind of feedback um, and hear, you know, the things that maybe they're frustrated with inside their role that they don't have power to change. Um, and, you know, that's, that's our job as leaders, whether we're the owner of the company or whether we're leading a team inside another organization um, is, is to figure out again, where those constraints are and remove them. So your people can actually feel good about what they're doing and do a good job. Absolutely. No, I think, I think that's a, that's a huge point. It's not that, you know, I, I hope everyone takes the time to, uh, to analyze, right. If, if you had that employee and you're really thinking about that, you know, I hope you've exhausted all, all options, you know, like you said, there's absolutely 
employees out there. There's people who just aren't at the right point in their life to have that job or, or, or have a job, right. But whatever, whatever the positioning is. And, um, I've had people come in who are the best sales reps in the world and, and other products and have come in and just not connected on the company that I'm in. And that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had somebody that let go in a sales role, but I sat down with them and I said, I don't think you're happy. I don't think that this clicks for you. And I don't think you feel comfortable talking about it. And they totally agreed. Um, you know, and I wanted to see them be successful. It wasn't a, you know, get out of here. It was like a, Hey, I, w- I want to see you be successful. And I want to see you in a role that, that you deserve. And, you know, they ended up going into another role and they were extremely happy, you know, and I'd always kind of say, take that time to, to look at that, but you're right. Process internally can absolutely kill an employee. Yep. Yeah. Silos kill productivity. They kill attitude. Um, all of it. I mean, so, you know, it's, it's, at least in my experience, I've found it's less, often that it's the actual employee themselves that is the issue. Um, Mm -hmm. It's usually other things around it um, that we can easily fix. So. Absolutely. Another weird one I've seen where where I've definitely seen people um, kind of losing on some money is um, I've seen people struggle with uh, inventory, just having entirely too much, especially in the phone world. We've seen people just have essentially a shipping container out back full of phones and some weird stuff there. I mean, that's one I, I think I saw people start to offload a lot of in the beginning of this. Some of them worked out. Some of them they were able to just drop ship to, to houses and, and, and keep everything rolling. Um, many on our side actually just switched over forwarded to cell phones or our cell phone. And, uh, you know, but th- that's definitely another one I've seen a lot of, of weirdness in um, and another area people don't really think about a lot until they actually sit down and look at it and analyze the, uh, the stock to realize how much money they're actually sitting on or losing. Mm-hmm. Like a restaurant. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good inventory management process is, is probably key. I mean, even for organizations, you know, MSPs tend not to have a lot of inventory period. Um, mm-hmm. But I know you accumulate it over time um, refreshes and, um, you know, the wrong things shipped, whatever. Um, so yeah. And that's money. That's money sitting there that you can't do anything with. Um, so the faster you can offload it, the faster you free up, free up your cash. Um, and if you're in a cash constrained position, um, inventory is one of those good places to look and see what you can liquidate and quickly. You know, the other thing um, some MSPs have been strapped with um, are, are cars, you know, company cars. Um, do you really need them? Um, if you don't, you know, get rid of them, free up that cash. Um, but that's, you know, we're talking about um, cash constrained scenarios, turnaround scenarios, you know, where you really have got to get um, uh, precise, uh, not precise, um, draconian a little bit with your cash flow management, right? <laughs> Absolutely. What other, um, and we're getting towards the top of the hour. What other, any other tips or tricks or anything else you could kind of, you know, s- you know, spread some wisdom on that you, uh, that you've noticed? Um, you know, I, I think that I mentioned it earlier, you know, one of the hardest things to do when times are so uncertain like they are right now um, is to feel comfortable embracing change. Um, and I think, I believe, at least for myself, part of that is um, keeping myself kind of centered 
um, and being able to step back and um, make sure that my needs, my family's needs are all taken care of. It allows me um, to have the headspace, if you will, to think creatively about other things. And I think that's really important right now with where the industry, if you will, is and mm -hmm. how quickly it's changed um, to be able to step back um, from a positive place and say, what can I do differently? What can I do creatively to um, make something positive out of this? It's super hard. It's easy to say it. Um, but it's hard to do it, but I think it's really important, um, when things are changing so quickly is to somehow find that headspace to be able to embrace the change, um, and make something good out of it. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's always good to take a step back in those moments and understand what can you do, right. And analyze the trends, right. If you're seeing a lot of people doing one thing in your part in your buying phase, get ahead of it. Right. I mean, mm -hmm you never miss the mark, right? I mean, if, if, if a lot of people, right? I knew MSPs who saw two or three clients from the beginning go remote and they spent the entire next day as management offsite prepping out an offloading document on how we were going to move everybody home and then offered that out as a service and said, hey, we know what's happening. We're seeing everybody start to make this move. Can we help you? Mm -hmm. And the clients were so thankful and so understanding at what was going on and, and just it was that pressure for them was taken off and they could worry about other things and worry about the business you know, still going because you were there as the MSP. And, and that was a huge move. Um, a lot of them that turned around after that and said, we're going to teach you on working from home and best practices and security. <laughs> security is such a major one with working from home and, and just tackling right into that and just teaching them best practices and um, keeping up with the businesses and understanding their needs have, have evolved and changed over the time. And um just being there to meet them. I mean, you're right. Change is not easy for any of us. We are definitely creatures of habit. Um, but at the same point, I see MSPs using new tools all the time, uh, always trying out the new, you know, shiny toy in the block. And, you know, I think it's important to uh, be able to do that in your business as well. Right. A hundred percent. You mentioning that reminded me one of the partners, well, and we had these six or these stories, um, throughout that tour. But in August, one of the partners that we met um, had a client who was in um, events, like they did events, right? And that business just went away overnight. Um, the guy was a small business, but he had 15 or 16 employees and, and he had to lay everybody off. Anyway, it was one of those scenarios. But our MSP partner actually had, you know, extra space in his office um, you know, let this guy, he had been a longtime client and a lifelong entrepreneur. So it wasn't like he was an unsuccessful guy, right? Like it's just stuff happens. Um, and uh, this MSP um, housed this guy in his office, gave him, you know, use of his infrastructure, right? Um, so he could have internet access and, and gave him space to reinvent himself, um, which we, we saw, we saw those things happening um, with our MSP partners that we met. They were doing things like that for their clients, for their employees, their families. It, it, was, it was really interesting. Um, and uh, can't wait to get back out there and 
have those talks again. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I'm so excited about with this tour is, um, you know, you guys have the knowledge of the first one. And then we've all spent tons of time on phones and video conferences and things like that, building up you know, more knowledge. And you know, one of the things that we desperately miss out on, and, um, you know, Ken and I touched on this last, uh, last session on Tuesday was that, that hallway chat and be able to bring that knowledge from all of the country, all of the world, um, it's gonna be fun to do that again and just hear those on the ground stories and just be able to bring them back. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got a great channel and as big as it is, it's small too. And, and it's, you know, it feels like family. I know I, I miss my roadie friends, right. And you know what I mean? It's, it's, cool. you know, we, we don't get to get together anymore. So yeah, no, that's the whole magic of, of the channel strong tour. Right. I mean, that's, that's the magic of it is just being able to get together and talk shop, um, meet our friends again, catch up, do all that. So um, that's what makes the channel special. Last year at this time was my, my final trip, my, my final channel trip. It was, uh, oh, actually it was a two-part trip. I flew, I was in Australia. I flew home the weekend, went to, had an HGG group in, uh, London and that was it I came home and it was like the gate dropped behind me and that was that was it we were all shut down into that so it's been just about a year since my last like real channel event so yeah getting back out there I remember my last trip too it's kind of funny um I guess we're gonna have those stories I remember my last trip when COVID hit (laughs) but it was creepy it was uh it was the second week in March um in 2020 was my last trip and um, coming home from Boston, that's when everything was shutting down. Like that, that whatever it was, the ninth or 10th, the day I was flying, um, you know, nobody really knew what to say to each other in the airport. It was just, things were like weirdly quiet. You know, my Uber driver was like, yeah, nobody's taking rides anymore. And uh, it was just this weird sense of what is happening. And then that's it. It was all Monday morning, offices closed, travel ban, you know, everybody stay home. We'll keep you informed as we know things. And there you go. Unbelievable. But I'm looking forward to getting back out there. And um, for anyone on the call who hasn't seen, uh, we have the full tour live, um, MSPinitiative.com. Um, got all of our great sponsors like Acronis listed on there. Um, yeah, we'll be taking off next month. March 15th is our first date. We'll be in Plano, Texas. Um, we're doing a full route through Texas, up through New Orleans, and then up and around through Florida into Atlanta. So that, that's where we're ending the tour. Uh, two weeks. We're doing a city a day. So make sure to keep an eye out and then uh, reach out to all these vendors. I mean, having somebody like Amy on the road or Amy's team, um, you know, if you've ever considered a Cronus or have any questions for them, reach out I and mean, we're going to have time in the days before we set up these events. So we're around. We're looking forward to connecting with you, hearing your stories. And if there's something we can help, that's, you know, that, that's part of the work signing about. And these are still, uh, these are the pop-up tailgates. So this is not a big sales pitch. So the vendors that are involved are literally it, it's community outreach. So don't be scared. It's, it's food and fun and drinks and, and hanging out and talking shop. Yeah, absolutely. And then the one thing, obviously, same as last time, we're going to follow the CDC guidelines extremely closely. So 
we're going to have, uh, oh, there we go. It looks like we have somebody in Plano, Texas on the call. Sweet. <laughs> um, so that is, yeah, just like Amy said, um, we're coming into town. We've got a big tour bus, a um, bunch of vendors. We're going to spawn. Um, the, there is an admission to the event. We ask we bring some canned goods. Um, we drop them off on our way out of town. It's our way of giving back. Um, you know, the, the fun thing for us is we also get to engage with a local restaurant. Um, so, you know, we're going to bring something to do, usually a food truck or a food drop for everybody. But it's a nice way to be able to simulate local economy a little bit. And, um, you know, just hang out with you guys, hear the stories, hear what's going on and, and, you know, how we can help or if we can share some knowledge or some different tips and tricks we're hearing. That's what we're there for. And uh, and we're on to the next. So Plano, Texas will be in. Perfect. All right. We'll get that info, the info over to you, but Plano, Texas will be March 15th. So we'll, we'll make sure to get you signed up and uh, get the link over to you. But um, any last thoughts or questions on your party? Uh, no, um, but as you mentioned, you know, talk about an industry that was hit hard. These food trucks, restaurants hit hard this last year. Um, I know several of the food trucks from the August trip. That was the only time they went out. Um, so, you know, the, the social aspect of giving back to your community is a big part of this. Um, and I, you'll have to check, um, but I know, I think there were five, six, maybe seven pallets of food between the two channel strong events. That's a lot of food. Those food banks were struggling too. Um, so that was super cool to see. Yeah. Ken shared a great story. Um, not on this, we had an MSP, um, that had actually forgotten their food. And we said, don't worry, we've got extra, we'll store some in the pile for you. Um, and they said, no, absolutely not. And they, um, they made us write down where we were sending it and they actually shipped a pallet uh, food over to the, uh, to the food bank, which is just such a great story and, and such a cool thing to hear at this time. It so. is, it is. You guys are awesome. Thanks for doing it. No, absolutely. No, thank you for participating. These events couldn't happen with uh, great sponsors, without great sponsors like yourself. So um, very excited to have a Cronus on there and, and the knowledge you bring and, and some of the cool stuff that you guys are doing. So I look forward to hearing about the latest and greatest in cybersecurity and uh, what you're seeing out there. And I'm sure that'll be quite a, quite a hot topic. It always is on the road. So always, always, always can't do it without the channel, right? Absolutely. All right. With that, um, I'm going to wrap things up here. We'll be back on Tuesday, usual time, 1 PM Eastern. Um, and then of course, back on Thursday. So if anybody needs anything else, feel free to reach out msbinitiative.com. We've got Amy's email there in the chat. So make sure to take her up on that opportunity. If you've got something you can use help on, um, submit yourself to see if you're, you're chosen for that podcast. That sounds like an unbelievable opportunity. And uh, Amy, maybe I'll connect with you after this about some partners that we could uh, maybe put you in touch with. And uh, for everyone else, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your day. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks, Alec. Thanks, Amy.